Geek Nerdery. Player one, press start to play. Welcome to the show, uh, Graveyard Duck episode number 13. Uh, as always, my name's Scott. And I'm Wes. Uh, this week we are taking a slightly different approach. Um, we're going to do a listener-suggested episode here, um, but unlike most of our episodes, if you've been listening up until now, you know that we kind of pick uh, one game, focus on that. You know, That's kind of the bulk of it. We might dip a little bit into some of the other games in the franchise. Uh, this time around, we're taking a little bit of a twist because the request was for Hudson's Adventure Island, um, which mm-hmm. I think a lot of listeners are probably going to know that game. It was released for the NES in 86 in Japan, uh, 88 here in North America, 92 over in Europe. Uh, I think it's a game that we are all very, very familiar with. Mm-hmm. However, uh, I think one of the most interesting things about Adventure Island is some of the history of it. And what I think a lot of people might not know is that it was actually a, I don't want to say remake, but uh, I guess a, a re-licensing of a previous game that was uh, released called Wonder Boy, which, man, this game got releases all over the place. Um, started off as actually an arcade game uh, that was released in 1986 worldwide. Uh, since thereafter that, it hit the Sega or the SG-1000, um, the Master System, Commodore 64, uh, ZX Spectrum, Game Gear, mobile phones, Wii Virtual Console. It's been just about everywhere. Uh, but mm-hmm. I think it's most mo- notably known as the arcade and the Master System versions, I believe. Um, yes. But yeah, so that all... Yeah. Right, right. So those, I mean, predated the US release of Adventure Island that we got. So, um, and, and kind of if, if once we get talking about it, the, where the Wonder Boy franchise kind of came from and where it went, it's a very, very interesting and incredibly complex and confusing story. But um, I think that's going to lead to some interesting discussions. So my suggestion was we'll cover Adventure Island, uh, keep our listener happy and give them the episode that they requested. But at the same time, kind of talk about uh, Wonder Boy and similarities, differences and what this franchise was all about. Yeah, good idea. Okay, so let's kind of start this off the way we always do. Talk a little bit about uh, nostalgia, memories, what have you, of either Wonder Boy, Adventure Island, uh, both, neither. Uh, Do you have any kind of history with these games, experience, or is this the first time you played them? I have uh, quite a bit of experience with Adventure Island. I don't remember exactly the first time I played it. I know I rented it quite a bit, uh, but it was always... It was a game that that I enjoyed, you know, particularly because of the difficulty. But uh, um, I played the first one a lot. 
didn't really play the second and third ones till much, much later. Uh, once I started discovering like emulation and stuff like that, um, got into a little bit on the Super Nintendo ones um, here and there. The Wonder Boy series, I didn't really play a whole lot um, right at the beginning. I kind of got into those more later. So I particularly, at least in the beginning, knew this franchise more from its Adventure Island route. Uh, okay. If that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, I would imagine that most American listeners are kind of in the same boat. Um, I definitely was. Uh, Adventure Island is one that I was, uh, I guess, slightly aware of uh, growing up. I never owned it. Uh, I rented it maybe once or twice. Um, I didn't play it a ton, and I think I've already told this story on a previous episode, but for those who haven't listened, my first experience with this game was... I was at an arcade. Uh, my my buddy down the street invited me to go to this the place his mom worked. There was an arcade there for some reason, and it was a there was one machine there that had one of those little toggle switches where you can switch between two different games. And when like he he jumped right over to that machine, like he knew that that was the cabinet he wanted to play, and he started playing this game Splatterhouse, which nice. look, go listen to that episode. You'll hear my story there. Uh, but mm-hmm. as he's playing it i was like oh what does this switch do and i flipped that little toggle switch in the middle of his game and it flips over to hudson's adventure island to which Hmm. i'm like what the hell is this this looks way different than that other game you were just playing (laughs) um so yeah talk about you know two sides of the the coin playing and you just kind of flip the switch then yep yeah he he freaked out he's like what the hell (laughs) right i flipped it back real quick and he was still in the middle of his game but yeah i uh i got that real brief glimpse of um you know, Master Higgins yeah. running and throwing yeah. some throwing some axes while we flipped back over to you know Rick dying and getting eaten by leeches. So uh, it was it was an interesting experience. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, and then yeah, potentially in friendships, uh, definitely. Uh, but yeah, it was years later that I kind of figured out what Adventure Island was and realized, oh, that was that game that I was at that arcade. And like I said, re- rented it a few times. Didn't really play it a ton growing up. Uh, my impression of it was always that it was like Mario-like, but not mm-hmm. as good. So I just kind of, I played it a little bit. It seemed kind of boring and basic, so I never really gave it a super fair shot. Uh, and then sure. recently, very recently, you know, I became more aware of kind of what the uh, Wonder Boy franchise was. So I started playing those a little bit. And in doing so, discovered the connection here and kind of went back and, and, and gave this a, a fair shake. And so I, I could say that it's... Uh, it's been played thoroughly, but just more recently than uh, in my childhood. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. I always kind of remember this as sort of like the really hardcore version of Mario, at least from back in the day, because it sort of shared the, the same framework and it was kind of, you know, built upon what Mario, well, Super Mario did, but to a much more precise, hardcore level. It's like, wow, this game is really hard. <laughs> Whether it be a, you know, a snake that randomly shoots at you or a bird that flies at you or an octopus that jumps up. Um, you know, as, as a kid playing this, I mean, it, it was incredibly difficult. And it still is. Um, probably one of the more difficult games on the NES, I would think. See, I I don't know. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit there. Um, really? Okay. There is one spot in particular that I think makes this game, you know, I, I'm a, being a little bit overdramatic, but I'm just going to go ahead and say unbeatable. Um, We'll, we'll get to it, but there, there's a section toward the end of uh, stage 8-3, maybe. I forget exactly I say, where it is. 7-4, or is it 8-3? Because those I, are like two of the 
really I think awful it's level. Eight, I think it's eight three. It's a it's a spot where you have to like run and jump on a whole series of platforms that fall the second you hit them. Um, okay. And you cannot flinch. Isn't it like the ice cave? I think. No, it's past the it ice like cave. A, okay. It's past that. Um, okay. And it's it's just one where like you cannot stop, you cannot hesitate, and then these bats start coming at you, and there's one that comes at you at such an angle that like you can't hit it with an axe and still make the platform unless you have, mm. I mean, the most perfect timing and. I mean, I'll admit it, like by this point, I was like, screw it, I'm going to use save state just to get through this because I had already been playing for a couple hours. And after yeah. after 40 or 50 attempts with the save state and still not being able to do it, I said, Ooh. screw it, this game doesn't deserve to be beaten. Um, huh. but, so, I mean, from that perspective, it's a very challenging game uh, because of that one yeah. spot. The rest sure. of it, though, I, I mean, you have unlimited continues. You Well, assuming you find the continue... <sighs> Yeah, don't even, don't even get don't even get me started on that thing too. That's <laughs> the most ridiculous convoluted thing in a game it. ever. This game, is, this game is so sadistic at times. I yeah. I love the fact that it, it's not afraid to just punch you in the gut constantly. Yeah, so let, let, let's talk about what the the B is. You you mentioned that. It's the Hudson B. It's this the icon. You'll see it on the top of every mm-hmm. Hudson Soft game. And it's sort of their, their company uh well, not really mascot, I guess. I mean, kind of is, but yeah, it's it's always yeah. part of their logo. The B, you'll make the connection, right? Um, it's in Adventure Island. One of the things that they change from Wonder Boy is that there's all these hidden eggs everywhere. That if you jump in the right spot, it'll show up. And mm-hmm. this game starts off, you know, relentlessly difficult because you're going to die a lot. Uh, and once you lose three lives, it's just game over. No continue possible. Mm-hmm. Right. At the end of stage one, one, there is a this egg right before the exit that if you find it, this bee comes out. If you collect the bee... Did you say? What's that? I thought you said the exit, like E-G-G-X-I-T. No, I, did, I did, definitely did not say that. Damn it. All right. <laughs> I still heard it. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, once you find the bee, then that basically unlocks unlimited continues throughout the rest of the game. And sure. it's just it's one of those things where why why do that like you you make the game go from unbeatable to give you unlimited continues and all you have to do is find this one stupid thing that's in the first level like mm-hmm. it's it's just so pointless like why even go to the trouble of hiding that just either give it to us or don't and but i don't you know, know i just i, I think looking at the history of this game um when i was doing some research for the show um i found a lot of the um the stuff I found regarding the Japanese release of Adventure Island for the Famicom, it was, at the time, it was already noted as being one of the most insanely difficult games on the system. So I think it's more, and a lot of things I think are deliberate in the way that they're designed in this game, but I think that that is something that was intentionally put there uh, to kind of increase the difficulty a, a little bit or to give the impression that, you know, this is a game that you have to clear you know, on like four or five lives without continuing, even though that's not really the case, but, right. uh, you know, I, I definitely think it was an intentional decision. No, I'm sure it was. I just don't think it was a well thought out one. It's kind of one of those jokes or pranks. That's like, ah, look how funny we were. Like, you know, you really weren't. I don't know. But don't you think that like this kind of stuff lent itself more to discussion amongst friends? Like, you know, if you were on the playground or something and you said, 
wow, I found this, you know, this bee at the end of the first level and um, it lets you continue and stuff like that. I mean, I think that's the reason that it was put in there was to kind of, you know, not so much to sell the strategy guide, but to kind of get the buzz going about this game, like to talk about the secret things that were discovered. Get the buzz going. At least right. that's my thought. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I see the point. I just think that, you know, from my perspective, it's that that was dumb. Just give it to you from the beginning or don't put it in there or or don't make it so drastic. Because, yeah, like once you have it, then you have unlimited sure. continues, like we said. And OK, yeah. sure, you're going to die a lot, but you die and it sends you back to the you know last stage entrance. And then you just try again. Like you can try unlimited. It's like one of those quarter muncher games that doesn't require quarters. So all you have to do is just sure. keep going and eventually you'll get to stage eight, three and get frustrated and quit and say you beat the game. Um, but, yeah. but at the same time, I mean, this game does have its roots in arcade based design. Very so. true. You're true. Yes. And you know, I, I think that the one thing that could have made this a little bit better was just, you know, give a set number of continues and then call it good. Um, but mm. yeah, it, it just has that feeling, like I said, of like the discussion we had when we talked about something like Metal Slug, where playing a coin-op game for a home console where they give you the unlimited continues, it's like, well, the only challenge is can you sit there long enough, you know, without your butt falling asleep, you know, to get to the end. Um, I don't know. And, I mean, like like you said in Metal Slug, I mean, there's there's I believe that there's sort of a mastery that comes with repetition, at least if you're enjoying it, and I think. You know, with Metal Slug and, and most running guns and shoot 'em ups, I think that the ultimate goal is to be able to accomplish a one credit clear. Sure. And I think the same could really be said with Adventure Island as well. If you really practiced enough, if you mastered it, you wouldn't really need to worry about the continued piece of it. Sure. So, and, you know, and and the one thing this game does have going for it is this was early in the NES life, so this was when there were still scores on games, and sure. Sure. that that did reset when you had to continue. So even though you had unlimited, yeah. if you were playing this for a high score, then oh, absolutely. you had much more motivation to, to keep going. Also, if you're just trying to clear yeah. it, you know, well, other than well, there's, yeah, there's multiple things that you could sort of set for yourself as goals. Then if you want, right, but right. I mean, everybody that read Nintendo power back then saw the high scoreboards in the back of the magazine. So I, I think it's also kind of a, a goal to kind of see what the highest score is that you can get without. Sure. Definitely. I mean, I still enjoy arcade type games. I still uh, play quite a few of, of older style games. And yeah, there's times if I want to just kind of credit feed it and just go through and, and see the ending. But there's also times I want to sit down and just, you know, play it on one or two coins or maybe four quarters, you know, supposedly, like say if I had a dollar or something like that right. at the arcade and just to kind of see how I can do it. And depending on the design of the game, I think if it's designed well enough that it's not overly cheap or if it's not um, incredibly frustrating or impossible. Uh, I think good design kind of trumps the uh, unlimited quarter aspect of it. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we could dip our toe into wonder boy just a little bit. Like we can kind of keep it as its own separate discussion, but that was another game that just gave you unlimited continues from sure. the get go. Um, yeah. And it did not have, quite the same degree of just insane difficulty, you know, in terms no, of stages. No, there, there was one that gave me a lot of trouble. I think it was 10-2 or 10... Yeah, I think it was 10-2. Um, hmm. And that one took several tries to get past it, but once you do, then you yeah. get to move on and you never have to do it again. Um, but sure. 
yeah, that 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 was a long setting to um, go through all of Wonder Boy, but mm. I did yeah. do it. But yeah, with the un- unlimited continues, it's just how much time are you willing to put into it? Sure, but I think Adventure Island is like that too, though. I mean, there's no yeah, you have unlimited continues, but you're you're still being asked to get through what is it about 32 stages without passwords or or saving. I mean, if you're yep. playing it on original hardware, right? Uh, you know, that, that's a pretty good commitment of time as far as to sit down for a platformer, uh, especially one that's as difficult as this. Now, I I played through it several times in the last couple of weeks. I got up to um, usually about 7-3 is about where I get, which is uh, what I kind of call the spider hell. Oh, yeah. Is, you know, where you're kind of jumping in between the spiders and stuff. Um, mostly because if you die at that point and have to start without a weapon, yeah, uh, it's a really, really intense test of um, how well you can jump through things without, you know, giving a, the A button a hard press and without giving a light press. I mean, it's that's one of the things, even though Adventure Island is so incredibly difficult, I keep coming back to it because I appreciate the design of it. And I feel that my skill set gets a little bit better the more that I play. It's also one of those weird games where I can't think of another example of this where getting a power-up actually, in my opinion, puts you at a disadvantage. I hate that really? stupid okay. skateboard. Oh, like, the skateboard? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's nice because it gives you an extra piece of armor, basically, so you can take mm-hmm. two, two hits before you die, but yeah. like you're auto-scrolling now, and you can't stop. You can just slow yourself. So I can't tell you how many times I pick up that skateboard and immediately just roll right off a cliff. <laughs> Which is, I mean, that's, again, that's... That, I believe that everything in Adventure Island is is done for a reason. It's put there for a reason. Uh, and I think that's exactly that's exactly the point. Is you don't know what's in the egg until you crack it open. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if it's a skateboard right next to you know a cliff or a rock or something like that, you better be prepared to um, you know to jump out of the way of whatever's coming at you. Right. Or if yeah, it's an eggplant. Yeah, that stupid thing. Yeah, at least in Wonder Boy, like those those bad eggs were speckled. You could see them and try mm-hmm. to avoid them. But yeah, I mean, I do, I agree with you. I think that everything in here is intentional, and it's yeah, it, you know, the difficulty is not because of sloppy design or you know, this isn't an Atari six twenty six hundred syndrome. This is mm-hmm. they, they intentionally made a game to be difficult, and again, that makes perfect sense when you think about the arcade roots, where yeah, absolutely. You, you want to make an arcade game that is so difficult. The only way to get through it is to keep putting more money in and yeah. to then just kind of port that over to a home console. Most of that is going to you know, come straight over. So yes, it, it makes perfect sense. Um, yeah. On the other hand, I will say that again, the, the beauty of adventure Island is um, you know, also for me, at least is watching a really good run through or a perfect play of this game. Um, before we started recording, I was watching a YouTube playthrough. Um, where somebody beat it in just a little over an hour, and just watching watching them play, and again through practice. I mean, you really maybe that's why I like platformers so much. But when you start to appreciate the way that everything comes together between the player interaction and what you see on the screen, it's really a thing of beauty how it's all designed in a certain way. You know, sure. whether it's like you get the skateboard, you jump two or three different clouds, and then you hit an octopus, and you keep going, or you trip over a rock, or you, hit multiple springboards and jump over fires. Um, you know, it's it's really something to behold, I think. So I think that's what makes a good platformer, though, too. Yeah, and I mean, I'm guilty, just like anybody, of 
you know, maybe more so than most people of like finding those games that I just absolutely love mm-hmm. and just playing them over and over and over and over again until, you know, I could just get through it on yeah. one, one life just, or one sitting yeah, or, yeah, you know, by my, my Castlevania daggers only game, you know, like those sorts mm-hmm. of things are fun to me because when I know yeah. a game that well and can find those other fun ways to play through it, that's really enjoyable. And I think maybe part of my problem with Adventure Island is just that I don't have the nostalgia for it. Sure. So it's it's not one that I grew up with. So I don't I, I don't have any desire to try to find other ways to play it. It's just okay. It is what it is, and that's as far as I've ever really had the desire to take it. So yeah, makes sense. Have um, you played any of the, um, the other Adventure Islands, like uh, two or three? On uh, I think I played two for the NES. And maybe was it Super Adventure Island for SNES? Mm-hmm. I may have rented that one once too, but I definitely did not play either of them enough to be able to talk much about them. Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting, and we'll cover this probably later too, but um, how both of these franchises kind of split off and started doing, you know, kind of their own thing and, and somewhat different things too. Yeah. Um, particularly if you look at like Adventure Island 2 and 3. You start adding. Um, I think they added um, dinosaurs and pterodactyls that you could ride and yep. uh, have power ups and stuff like that. And then there was, this, I believe, there was a fourth one on the Famicom that never came out over here. And I think that was almost more kind of a non-linear uh, Metroid style, or okay. like what Monster Layer is. Okay. Yeah, they added uh, in part two. In part two and three, they like, definitely had you know not only some of the dinosaurs you could ride, but it almost got to like a little Nemo level where you could, mm-hmm. you know, really take you know full advantage of you know that each one had a different you know breath weapon or a different uh, you know sure. mobility, and so you were kind of switching back and forth between different dinosaurs to get through right. the platformer. Yeah, and it, so, they weren't nearly as difficult as the first one, but I think they're still enjoyable. Um, the one on Super Adventure Island on the Super NES, I haven't beat that one yet. I think that one's probably just as difficult as the original, uh, from what I've played of it. It's it's pretty tough. Um, and then you get to, on the PC Engine, there's New Adventure Island, and that one's really good. That's more of a back-to-basics, uh, much like the first one, but not quite as difficult. And that one's really good, too. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I do remember, I, th- I think it was three that came out like way, way, way late in the NES era. And, oh, yeah. you know, one of maybe the last games to come out. And so it was a very interesting experience just to play it and see like how they were really pushing everything that that console was capable of um oh, know, yeah. by that no, point they had figured out all of the tricks and so it's like let's just do everything yeah. and yeah know. and that's that's the thing that um you know talking about the technical aspect too i think that's one part where the original adventure island kind of suffers a little bit because there tends to be a lot of sprite flickering mm-hmm. um, especially when there's a lot of objects on the screen like in some of the later ice levels and the cave levels, if you start moving pretty fast and there's platforms that are falling and there's bats and there's other things, uh, things start to flicker quite a bit. So it's kind of hard to, um, it's hard to make out everything from what I noticed. Right. But that's, I mean, that's, that's typical of a lot of NES games. So Yeah. I never found that slowdown was really an issue, which was good. Um, no, no. The platforming I feel like is a little bit slippery. Uh, mm. it, it doesn't quite have, you know, the, the solid feel that like something like a Super Mario Brothers does, but, um, right. Yeah. I, I, um, I, yeah. You can tell just the way that your character moves is kind of a little slippery 
And then mm-hmm. the fact that in order to jump high, I mean, you kind of have to hold the B button down the whole time to be able right. to, to super jump. So, yeah, which that also adds, you know, an extra element of this like urgency you feel in the game, uh, which sure. I think I think is another interesting challenge to it. Um, it. We didn't mention, but like you have, you know, you don't have health. You it's a one hit kill, but you do have vitality which right. is a weird thing to think about. There's there's basically a bar at the top of the screen that starts off full and it just kind of ticks down like a timer. Mm-hmm. But throughout the stage, you'll find pieces of fruit that everyone you eat, like it gives you some more vitality back. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it, it's kind of just like an hourglass that you kind of have to keep refilling. Um, but yeah, it doesn't, it, it doesn't it, act it, as health or anything. Like you were saying with the sense of urgency, it, it keeps you from taking your time on the levels. Like, exactly. You're and, constantly and, moving forward. And I think that's one of the things that makes the game challenging is that if you could learn to just stop and take your time, most of this is very, very manageable. Like it's just Mm -hmm. a little bit of timing, jumping just right. But like otherwise, nothing here is, you know, insane. It's just because you're you're constantly... The octopuses are jumping up, but... um, But yeah, it's like mostly because you're you're constantly pushing forward rather than just like stopping. Because every enemy in the game has a predictable pattern that you can see. So if you just position yourself right, you can either walk underneath of it, jump over top of it, or throw an axe and hit it. Like it's, there's no enemy that's difficult. Even the bosses are very, very predictable. I and... would agree with you just a little bit on that, actually. Um, particularly with the snakes, because um, somewhere, one of the, I forget what source it was, but um, somewhere I had read that um, some of the enemies in this game were designed to read, um, read button inputs depending on like what you're uh, what you're pressing on the controller and I think particularly the snakes do that where um, they don't always shoot fire at you or they don't always shoot the same amount of fire right or um, I think the frogs are kind of another example too where you're not always quite sure if they're gonna jump or not I know the red ones always jump at you the frogs take two hits they take two hits to kill right they start as the green hit in one place and the red one always jumps at you yeah, it's 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 one or the other. One jumps, yeah. one doesn't. But yeah, hitting right. them turns it from one to the other. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting, but it's 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 mm-hmm. one of those that like it's pretty predictable. But that urgency definitely yeah. increases you know your what you're up against. Yeah, you know what's coming. You know, around the next corner. Uh, yeah, it's manageable. Right. Until, like I said, unless you pick up the egg that has the eggplant in it, and then you you have to be really urgent because it's taking away the the timer bar at the top. So you really have to get through. Right. And then you're really trying to manage, you know, staving that off and getting past whatever enemies you're getting towards and jumping over the fires and whatever. So, right. Yeah. The, the eggplant will stay with you until you're down to two vitality mm-hmm. bars and then it goes away. Although yeah. if you can keep it through and beat the level with him still flying above you, you get an extra thousand points. Mm-hmm. I noticed. Yeah. You get a lot of points for it. But, um, yeah. So anyway, I think that, um, that's, adventure island in a nutshell there's there's a little bit more to it there's a few secrets yeah. and hidden things throughout uh there are i noticed that um there's a couple platforms that basically act as warp zones yeah uh, if you stand on one and it takes you kind of off the screen you then get to warp basically to like a, a, a cloud world and you can then drop down and be further along in the same stage right. um there's a lot of hidden eggs which is something that was not in wonder boy but it it lets you upgrade your weapon past just the the stone axe. You can get like fireballs. Mm-hmm. Um, there are little 
NES controllers you can find. There's other little things that give you one-ups, you know, Ruby rings and yeah. things like that. So there, there, there's a lot more stuff to find, I guess, and to dig into mm-hmm. than just in Wonder Boy, which is pretty straightforward and linear. Um, yeah. Especially if you get the fireballs in this one, because um, that lets you eliminate the uh, the rocks and a right. lot of the boulders and stuff like that. So uh, that makes some of the platforming much easier. The only downfall is it uh, your shot actually arcs up a little bit higher than your axe does. So you really have to position yourself differently when you're trying to deal with uh, stationary enemies, especially well, on like hills and stuff like that. And the, I think the fireballs like are kind of balanced out. Like yes, they add. A, extra advantage but you on the flip side of that coin is the little not the rolling boulders but the rocks that are just on the ground mm-hmm. in, in this game now they kill you in wonder boy they just made you stumble and lose vitality here they're you, you can die from those. Miss the regular little rocks no yep. you if you trip over them in this one you just you just lose a little bit of energy but if you, you land on them you land on them you die oh you're talking like if you jump on it yep oh okay okay yeah yeah i would say if you just kind of run into it you just trip over it but yeah, I guess you impale yourself on the point or something. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, yeah, there's um, there is some stuff here. It's it's um, it's a decent game, I would say. There's there's some you can dig into. It's I'm gonna just call this a, pr- a pretty straightforward platformer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's honestly not my favorite game. Uh, you you could do worse for sure. But yeah. I, my loose recommendation is just don't expect too much from it. I. If if you have the nostalgia, I think that helps. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I think this is going to be frustrating for a lot of people, and probably there's a good chance you're going to walk away unhappy. But I could see that. But on the other side of the coin, I appreciate its difficulty, and I respect the design. So I I keep coming back to it because I enjoy being challenged by it. I guess so. Um, it still holds a place for me. I still like to play it quite a bit, uh, just because of how absurdly difficult it is. Sure. Fair enough. Uh, so let's switch gears just a little bit. We could talk Wonder Boy here for a while. And, Actually, before you do that, I wanted sure. to talk a little bit about the um, the Japanese version of Adventure Island, at least particularly some of the little differences on it. Okay, yeah, do that. Um, what I thought was kind of interesting, and we'll talk about it with Wonder Boy, is how the uh, the main character was changed you know, for both games and stuff. But interestingly enough, in Japan, when this came out um, on the Famicom, the character was changed to... Um, the character Takahashi Majin, who at the time was sort of Hudson's, um, more like, he, he was a celebrity gamer, I guess you could say. He was, he was very well known in Japan in the 80s. Um, he was a spokesperson for Hudson, but his claim to fame was uh, his rapid button presses. Um, he could, I think it was, he could shoot 16 shots a second, and he became famous with um, Star Force, on uh, Hudson's Star Force, with the 16 shot per second thing. So, when it came time to localize Adventure Island on the Famicom, they decided to make the main character Takahashi Meiji. So it was just, you know, the celebrity... I think this is probably one of the first sort of celebrity-type games in Japan, from what I understand. But That might, that might be right. I thought it was kind of interesting then, because, um, you know, if you ask any anybody that played a, on the Famicom or grew up in Japan in the 80s, they probably have seen Takahashi Meiji somewhere or, you know heard of him because you know he was just so incredibly famous but later on i think the i think this was the only game i think that actually featured him and then later on i think they kind of went back to master higgins who was the u.s version of the yeah. character uh but i just thought that was kind of interesting yeah it's, it's it's a weird thing and and again we'll 
get into kind of the history of how Wonder Boy became Adventure Island, but it's mm -hmm. that was definitely the biggest change that they made was let's completely reinvent the main character. I mean, he moves the same, he acts right. the same. It's mm -hmm. just <laughs> let's plaster, you know, this celebrity's face on yeah. our character and sure. what a strange thing to do, uh, especially when you're coming over to the US and like I think that was one of the reasons that this game also kind of turned me off a little bit as a kid was I I didn't understand the randomness of you know okay you're on this like weird tropical island mm -hmm. but your main character is a little fat guy in a baseball cap like I just yeah but yet he's throwing like stone axes like he's a caveman so it's like what what are we doing here and yeah but but then he also has a skateboard so we're, we've got like four different times and cultures here all mixing together sure. i don't know what's going on and it's yeah. it was kind of off-putting to an american kid that didn't really know you know the history of who you know takahashi was and yeah but you got to look at it too like i mean at this time you know not all games were meant to be super serious either i mean you know skateboards probably in here because you know kids like skateboards or whatever right um and, and obviously there's an island and there's stone axes and whatever. But yeah, sticking a baseball cap and a, a mustache on the guy is kind of like, oh, it's kind of kind of strange. But well, and it's 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 weird how some playing NES games, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's like certain things you can accept just because. Yeah. I don't know. You wouldn't question it, but like like I've always said, the fat Brooklyn plumber who goes to sure. save the princess from the mushroom world, like what the hell? Like, <laughs> or you know, look at like Kabuki Quantum Fighter where. You know, you're you're a Kabuki man in a computer simulation that attacks people with his hair. Yeah. You know? But uh, yeah, I mean, games didn't have to make sense back then. That's part of the charm, I think. You know. But uh, I don't know. Oh, the other thing I was going to say too is the um, we were talking about the skateboard originally. That reminded me that um, I was reading an interview with uh, Ryuichi Nishizawa, who is the um, creator of Wonder Boy, and he was talking about that originally he wanted to make a game that was an auto scroller and um, you know, one where the player just couldn't stop moving, but I guess it proved to be too difficult to do at the time. So they had to change it, but the skateboard piece that ends up in both of these games is a relic of that previous game design. So think of it that way. If the entire game was played on the skateboard, you know, that would be incredibly difficult. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So, I don't know. Just thought it was getting neat. Okay, want to talk Wonder Boy for a bit? Sure. Okay, so Wonder Boy, like we said, originally came out arcade, uh, 1986 worldwide, and the if, if you're unfamiliar with this, basically take what you know as of Adventure Island and make a couple of changes. The main character is now a little short, fat, blonde caveman. Mm -hmm. um, he's out to rescue his girlfriend, or his love from this demon king. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the the gameplay is almost 100% the same. Yes. The um, the stages are reshuffled a little bit. There's actually more stages in Wonder Boy than there were in Adventure Island. Mm -hmm. um, Adventure Island condensed it down to eight worlds that were four stages each. Wonder Boy actually had nine worlds total well, at first mm -hmm. with four stages each. And there's an unlockable tenth world that you can yeah. access. Um, in in Adventure Island, as you were playing through, you probably noticed all the little pots that you could find that basically just gave you points bonuses. There's there was one in each stage. In Wonder Boy, they had the same thing, but they were little uh, 
they looked like little Russian nesting dolls. Mm-hmm. And some of them were right out in the open. Some of them were hidden. But if you managed to get all 32 dolls in the first nine worlds, and I think I did that math right, um, that would then unlock the 10th world. And that was the only way to get it. Right. Uh, it was not a ghouls and ghosts kind of thing where if you didn't get them all, you got some crappy ending that they're like, ah, now go do it again. It mm-hmm. was just, you got an ending or you got a new world and then you got the ending. But um, so yeah, it, it, it allowed for 40 total stages. And I think condensing it down for Adventure Island was fine because Wonder Boy also repeats a lot of the same stages and level designs uh, quite frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. So that's kind of to its detriment. Um, otherwise, the gameplay is basically the same. The warps are a little bit different in Wonder Boy. They're, I think, a little bit easier to find. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are not as many hidden things in the stages. Like, there's no fireballs. There's no um, NES controllers, whatever. It's kind of just the straightforward axe skateboard, uh, the the cursed egg, or there are little Sega tiles, S-E-G-A, that will give you a one-up if you find all four. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's pretty much the extent of it, other than the, the hidden dolls. Yeah. Um, when you said the... Um, you mentioned it earlier with the... Um, the spotted eggs, the eggplant, or I guess it's death in this one. Yeah, it's a little Grim Reaper in this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other, a couple other things I noticed that was different in this one were um, that the snakes don't shoot or move at all in Wonder Boy. They're just kind of stationary. And that Now, granted, I'm talking about the Master System version, I guess, but the arcade one's kind of like that too. But mm-hmm. um, the red frogs don't move, and um, I think the health timer depletes a little bit slower. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't notice a difference whether it goes... Yeah, different rate or not. Yeah, but yeah, the the biggest things I noticed were the snakes and the frogs. Right. Yeah, and I mean, this is a very straightforward game. Like we said, unlimited continues. Um, it's kind of just a run and gun going through the stages. Um, I think the most, maybe the best improvement they made when they went to Adventure Island was changing the soundtrack because, yeah. god damn it, the one for Wonder Boy, like. It's basically the same six or seven notes just played huh. over and over and over again for 40, 40 stages with no variation, no reprieve. Yep. It, it will drive you mental. <laughs> yeah, I would say after I finished the game and then uh, you know, I just kind of put it down. I was walking away for a little bit. And I, could still, I could still hear the song in my head you know, because I'd been sitting there for a couple hours just playing through it. It's like, oh my God. I mean, that... That's the old school arcade type, you know, uh, style game right there, where it's the same song or the same thing just repeated ad nauseum. Yeah. So and now that and I mean, it, it's come back in my head, and I can't get it out. <laughs> That's what I do. Um, yeah, and I mean, I wouldn't say that the Adventure Island soundtrack is great, but at least it has variation. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I just looked it up. The average playtime for Wonder Boy is about three to three and a half hours. So mm-hmm. that's plenty of time for this to get locked into your brain permanently. Uh-huh. And on the other hand, I mean, you could turn the volume down and, and listen to a podcast while you're playing it. Yeah, I that's suppose. Graveyard duck. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I think Wonder Boy is fun. Um, it's it's kind of hard to pick which of the two versions I prefer. I think because of the soundtrack, Adventure Island is going to win some points, but you know, I can actually beat Wonder Boy. Um, so thumbs up for that. Uh, I, I, I like the fact that 
you have to kind of find those dolls. Like that's a, a fun little challenge for each stage that gives you more to do than just kind of get to the end. Mm-hmm. Adventure Island, it was kind of just an exercise of survival. Um, but I, I liked the, you know, the extra power-ups that were in Adventure Island. So I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a toss-up. I think that six, one, half dozen, the other, they're very, very similar games, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it was interesting for me, like, just growing up playing Adventure Island and knowing of its difficulty and, and it, it is kind of a stressful game while you're playing it. But while I was playing Wonder Boy, I was just a little bit more relaxed and, uh, you know, just kind of enjoying the game. Uh, you know, it's not incredibly difficult by any means, but it's fun. It's a fun platformer to play through for a couple hours. Right. It's not nearly as incredibly hard as Adventure Island, but, um, to Wonder Boy's detriment, I guess, too, a little bit. After I finished it, I was just kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of good on this. Um, yeah. You know, I might play it again in a couple of years, but uh, I don't know. Well, I think that they're, again, like basing this off the idea of an arcade game. Yeah. It wasn't one where you were necessarily supposed to see the end. or sure. So, and, and all of the ports, at least the ones that I've played, are basically just straight ports of the arcade, like with yeah. no variations or changes really at all. Um, except maybe slight differences just for, you know, hardware limitations. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so it, it does kind of suffer from that idea of like, well, it's really like, I, I don't know. It, I keep going back to like super ghouls and ghosts and, or, you know, ghouls and ghosts, ghosts and goblins, those kind of games and how remarkable they were for being arcade games just like this, yet they were rewarding. Whereas, yeah, this one is just kind of like, well, more stages, more the same. Like most people probably won't notice that the levels recycle themselves because you didn't play that long in an arcade. But uh, yeah, it's. I that mean, could it, also be a memory limitation too, though. Sure, where, perhaps. You know, maybe you're you're working with not as much um, space on the on the board, so you know you probably do have to repeat some tile sets, uh, stuff like that. And that could be why the music is the same over and over. Yeah, perhaps. You know, I actually that's probably why there's so much repetition then is because um, they're able to put more levels in maybe at the time. I mean, considering it's 86 that this came out in the arcade, um, that's, I mean, there's quite a bit to have, you know, say that there's 32 distinct levels and then, uh, you know, kind of go from there. I don't know. I was trying to think when Ghosts and Goblins came out in the arcade and I think that was around 86 as well. But it maybe just depends on the developer too. Right. Yeah. So this, this game actually was put out by uh, Westone. Mm-hmm. And it was a kind of confusing and convoluted history that they basically made this, then, like we said, ported it all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure which happened first, whether they started to make sequels to this or whether they licensed off to Hudson. But essentially, Hudson had come to them and said, like, we want to put Wonder Boy out for the Famicom. Mm-hmm. To which Weststone said, yeah, sure, no problem. Uh, and they basically just sold them the licensing rights to Wonder Boy. And that's where then, you know, Hudson had the, the liberty and the flexibility to change the main character, tweak a couple of little things. And that's where Adventure Island came from. Mm-hmm. At the same time, then Westone continued to make Wonder Boy games for the Wonder Boy franchise of which, you know, they, there's Wonder Boy and Monsterland, um, Wonder Boy 3, Dragon's Trap, uh, Dragon's Lair, Wonder Boy and Monster World, Wonder Boy or Monster World 4. Like, it's a very confusing name system because they keep going back and forth Um, but basically that franchise kind of took a different twist it used the same character of the Mm -hmm. um the little blonde caveman boy 
but it started to make it more of a, I guess it adds like some RPG elements to it. Yes. So yeah. you're you're still platforming, but mm. like there were shops that you could find along the way. Um, you could buy better equipment, better upgrades, buy some armor. You had a sword, mm-hmm. and it, it just kind of took a little bit more, like almost like Simon's Quest light type gameplay. Oh, um, and, and Monster Lair also went a different direction too, and did you know some some platforming and then shoot 'em up stages. Yeah, yeah. So. So it was a it was a very interesting trajectory, and to mm-hmm. be perfectly honest, I think that a lot of those games are a, a ton of fun. Oh yeah, um, they're fantastic. And then when basically Hudson had Adventure Island over here, they decided like, okay, we're going to just capitalize on this, keep running with uh, this franchise, mm-hmm. and since they own the rights at that point to Adventure Island, they continued to make the Adventure Island sequels that kind of spawned off in its own direction had nothing to do with the wonder boy sequels right and at, and at that point were their own separate entities um sure. which is why almost all of the adventure island sequels still had the same general feel of that 2d side scroller platformer master higgins throwing axes at you know dinosaurs and octopuses and whatever yeah. um so it, it, it's interesting to see where the two went especially when you see what they are now um you know, modern gamers who have a Switch have probably seen this game called, uh, you know, Wonder Boy, the Wonder so Wonder right. Boy Three: The Dragon's Trap. Yeah. Now, just came out on the Switch, which probably put a lot of this into people's heads and like, oh, I wonder what this is. Mm-hmm. Have no idea that that's tied to Adventure Island, like in a very roundabout way. But they came from the same source. And yep, absolutely. There's a there's a great interview on um, Hardcore Gaming 101, uh, which is the one with Nishizawa I was talking about earlier. Um, if you get a chance, go out there and take a look at it uh, because he kind of goes through sort of the, the reason for the confusion. It's interesting because um, Westone sort of owns the, um, I guess, the basic design of the game, but the character Wonder Boy itself was actually owned by Sega. So, um, again, it was kind of confusing in the beginning because you know, Wonder Boy was kind of developed by uh, Westone or Sega. Sega owned the name and you know, character of Wonder Boy, but the uh, Westone still owned the rest of it. So then they were able to kind of license it from there, which, you know, like you were saying, kind of gets a little bit confusing down the road. So it's it's something that you don't really, I think is pretty unique in, in gaming and in that you don't really see where a company kind of shares its, you know, its core game with a couple different companies and kind of invites them to come up with their own different versions of it. And I don't think you'll ever see that again, but uh, well, and it, it was also in an era where this was not a global world in that sure. sense. So yeah. basically Hudson was thinking like, okay, we can release this over in the U S as this. And mm-hmm. they're never going to know that it was connected because yeah. people don't check that. It's, it's why our, you know, when you start talking about final fantasy and you know, the saga and the secret of mana games, and that gets mm-hmm. so freaking confusing because they sure. just assumed like, Same well, thing. You're never going to know. Well, and you've got to think, too. I mean, a lot of us had NESs at the time. You know, very few of us probably had exposure to a Sega Master System at the time. So um, the idea of even seeing a copy of Wonder Boy, I don't think I ever saw uh, a copy of Wonder Boy for the Master System in stores. Not that I can remember. I remember seeing some Master System games here and there, like at Montgomery Ward or, you know, different places like that. But... um, you know, just not something that I really saw. And then once you got to the Genesis era, then you started seeing 
you know, Wonder Boy games, then you kind of look at it and you go, oh, that looks kind of like Adventure Island. And then you go back and kind of, um, you know, kind of start digging into the history of it. Uh, that's where it gets really interesting, I guess. Right. And I would also point people if they're if you're really interested in the the kind of history of this franchise. Uh, I mean, we just kind of touched on the surface of it, but there's a, another podcast out there I would point people to called Retronauts mm-hmm. that they do a great job, and they did an episode oh it's a few years ago now that basically they talked about the entire Wonder Boy Adventure Island franchise and basically just tried to kind of look at the whole lineage and. Mm-hmm. what spawned what, what was renamed what when it got ported over, because that makes it even more confusing. Oh, I know. Yeah, because look at, um, like, the Dragon's Trap, for instance, like we were just talking about with the Switch, but um, even going back before that, I mean, on the Turbo Graphics here, it was just called Dragon's Curse, and it wasn't even, I mean, the main character was changed. It wasn't a Wonder Boy game. Right. Same game, you know. Um, what are well, the- you, you also had in... Um, it was for the Game Gear version. Like Wonder Boy got ported to the Game Gear, but it was called Revenge of Drancon. Yeah. Like, yep. So you wouldn't even know. Like maybe you had that right. game and thought, wow, there's another weird Adventure Island ripoff. Like, but. Oh, I know what the other one was I was thinking of. It was uh, uh, Wonder Boy Monster Land. Because on, um, again, on the PC Engine and the Turbo Graphics, um, Wonder Boy Monster Land was actually Bakura Man World. And yeah. in Japan, Bakura Man was a series of uh, stickers. And I think there was an anime series as well. So they kind of took, you know, an existing game and just kind of applied a, uh, a licensed character to it. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, it gets very, very confusing. And mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. point people to that episode and go check it out because that'll kind of yeah. make sense of it all. But um, it's very yeah, interesting. Mean, as far as, like, historical aspects and stuff, I think Retronauts does a really good job of, uh, you know, really digging deep into the, the history of those kind of things. We're just kind of brushing the surface of it really, but right. So uh, yeah. And the, the switch version of dragon's curse or wonder boy, uh, dragon's trap, I should say. Um, I was reading recently that that was the highest selling version out of all of, all of the platforms that that game released on. That was the highest selling one. No kidding. Which was really cool. Um, that was one of the first games I got for the switch. Um, played it when I went on vacation. I just love it. It's a great game. So. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't picked it up yet. I was planning on it, but I've been playing um, a little bit of um, Wonder Boy 2 and Wonder Boy and mm-hmm. Monsterland. was trying to yeah. get through that before I pick it up, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I keep getting distracted by other games, so <laughs> I oh, yeah. just have to say screw it and buy the buy the new one. But what's what's really great about the remake though is the fact that you can hit the um, you know like the left trigger or whatever. And seamlessly switch between the remake and the original Sega Master System version. So it's like they basically um, took the original game and kind of built the new one kind of on top of that. That's which great. I was really, yeah, yeah, and if so if you're interested, if you're interested in playing some of these and don't you know have the Switch, the if, if you still have your Wii or Wii U, most mm-hmm. of these got ported over to the Virtual Console. There, I know that at least the first two wonder boy games did the arcade game i think is on there so most of these you know that got released in the u.s are available there so if you're wondering what we're talking about and are intrigued and want to check it out you know for less than 10 bucks you can go play some of these you know legitimately and um, you can also go on uh ps3 and xbox 360 have a uh i think it's a monster world collection and it's uh three of the games i think but most importantly it's the only localized version of Monster World 4, which was um, on the Mega Drive in Japan. 
And I played a little bit of that. We'll have to do that for the show because um, it's just a fantastic game. That was once they even then changed the main character, didn't they? Was, yeah, yeah was that her... was changed to a, to a girl. Yeah. 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 Very confusing yeah, story. This stuff still is within the public eye, I guess, as far as, you know, it's not like you don't have to, you don't have to go out and buy the original um, Japanese cartridge if you, unless you're, you know, a collector or something. Um, a lot of these games are within reach and they're very affordable. I would say that, you know, as far as Wonder Boy is concerned, I think it's more in the public eye today than it ever has been. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Because, like you said, back in you know the late or mid to late eighties, the only way you were really ever playing a Wonder Boy game was if you had a Sega Master System or you know the arcade. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you probably were not arcade version anywhere. No, I've never seen it myself. Yeah. Um, I so... think Ghost has now, but I mean, back in the day, I can't see this as having been a game that would have shared a spotlight with you know top earning games like pac-man and uh, dig dug and stuff like that kind of your you know your basic stuff right so i i don't think that at that time too many people were terribly aware of it i mean i'm sure it had its following but yeah and in, in recent years because of kind of the retro resurgence people know about it more now than they ever did mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah i would definitely recommend just getting into both of these franchises really it's something that um, you know, both series have kind of gone off and, and done their own things, but uh, they've also kind of shown that you know you can you can have a successful idea of you know a simple type platformer game and just kind of expand from there and really kind of tinker around with it and not be afraid to mix things up and do things differently. And I think that's something that kind of gets missed a little bit in modern gaming. That um, at least with your mainstream type AAA type games where you tend to see the same things over and over because you know that's what sells and that's what um you know that's what earns the company a lot of money but you know to to be able to take a risk and do something different you see a lot of that with indie games um you know it's it's really interesting digging into both of these franchises and to see how different each of them ended up becoming right well hopefully we were able to shed some light on this series uh Obviously, we just kind of scratched the surface. We didn't want to get too deep, knowing that this still leaves a lot of games for us to talk about down the road. But um, oh, yeah. at least yeah, for I, um, for Jeff out there who wanted to hear us talk about Adventure Island, hopefully we satisfied that um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and opened some eyes to maybe some other games that you should check out. So yeah. Um, so all right, if uh, other people want to be like Jeff and suggest some episodes for us, Wes, do you have any uh, ideas of how they could do that? You know, I've got a few ideas like that. Uh, first off, you could check us out on Twitter at Dark Graveyard. Um, you can follow us there and, uh, you know, tweet us any suggestions or any memories you might have of uh, games you love growing up. Um, you can find us on Facebook, on the Graveyard Duck on Facebook. Um, we've got a page there that uh, we like to uh, share a lot of cool stuff on. Uh, you could also email us at graveyardduckpodcast at gmail.com. And we're also on Geek Nerdery, so um, our show's hosted on there. There's a lot of cool shows on there, uh, depending on what type of, uh, of geekery or nerdery that you like. Um, hopefully you find something that uh, kind of uh, piques your interest, so you can find us there, and, um, you know, pretty much anywhere. So, Or if you're in town, you can find me at Mega Replay, because I'm usually there all the time. So. <laughs> yeah. all right. Well, I think... Uh... As always, we've got a good episode lined up for next week. Is it, uh, and not to say what it is, but uh, is it? Are we doing another request? Is it we a do. listener request? 
Okay. Yeah, cool. Yet another listener request to do in two weeks. So um, stay tuned for that. Yeah. yeah. So any, you know, again, any, any suggestions that you might have of games that you want to hear us talk about, you know, please shoot us a line. We'd love to cover them. And, you know, even if it's something that we haven't played, I, I always love discovering new, new old games. So. Right. Alrighty. So until next episode, I'm Scott. And I'm Wes. And uh, don't forget to get your Hudson B if you want to continue. Game over. Thank you.